torch of freedom Pass from hand to yearning hand And the vision of our fathers Spread hope throughout this land As the dream some fought and died for in my heart becomes my own I will strive to keep her promise America, my home America, America justice and liberty for all so with deep appreciation for the blessings we have known I will honor her forever America Simon's song that he and his wife composed, and I hope you enjoyed that. All right, so welcome to the Truth and Democracy Coalition's monthly meeting. My name is Rich Proceda. I'm the founder of the Truth and Democracy Coalition and the host of the Truth and Democracy podcast. Today, we bring you psychologist Dr. George Simon to tell us how to recognize character disturbance in politicians and leaders, and perhaps even in ourselves. But before we begin, I want to tell you a little bit about the Truth and Democracy Coalition and about our upcoming events. The Truth and Democracy Coalition was formed to build a pro-democracy movement in America 
we educate the public about disinformation, teach people to be critical of the propaganda they consume, and provide critical analysis of current events and social issues. We produce media and educational materials, hold seminars and meetings, work with other organizations, and organize events and activities geared toward building a pro-democracy movement in America. The coalition seeks to build communities of different of people of different faiths and ideologies to defend and promote democracy locally, nationally, and globally. And next month, on April 16th at 2 p.m. Pacific time, I will be speaking with diversity, equity, and inclusion specialist Sandaya Jha about whether America is a racist nation. Ms. <laughs> Jha is an anti-oppression consultant who helps organizations get diversity, equity, and inclusion teams off the ground. Sandea is an ordained minister and a, with a master's in public policy, the founder and former executive director of the Oakland Peace Center, and the author of Rebels, Despots, and Saints, The Ancestors Who Free Us and the Ancestors We Need to Free. So to register for that, Go to tinyurl.com slash America, not racism. And in May, and we haven't finalized the date or the um, time, but we're going to have Harvard-educated American moral philosopher, cultural commentator, and SAS professor Susan Neiman come talk to about us to talk to us about her new book, left is not woke and we'll be providing more information about that now let's turn to the day's discussion you know i believe that we have an epidemic of narcissism in america <laughs> our collective narcissism leads often leads to the election of narcissistic and character disturbed candidates like newly elected congressman george santos for example is a habitual liar the people who elected him are now calling for him to resign. Donald Trump repeatedly lied about the election, and Republican leaders parroted those lies for nearly a year, and many are still doing so. Many Arizona Democrats feel that Senator Kristen Sinema turned against them in what feels more like a political murder-suicide than an attempt to get reelected. And the question is, why did she do that? And politicians are notorious for telling lies and weaving together half-true and divisive narratives in order to gain notoriety, raise money, and win elections. There are two main reasons people get into politics and political activism. The first is to make a positive difference in the world, whatever that person believes that to be. The second is to benefit themselves. And I got that from Adam Schiff, who said that. Most politicians have some combination of both, but some are primarily in it for themselves. Whether it's aggrandizement, power, or money, how do we distinguish between those who are ill-motivated and those with more altruistic characteristics? Dr. George Simon is an internationally recognized authority on narcissism and other disturbances of personality and character. He has appeared on CNN, MSNBC, HBO, 
CBS, and Fox News. As the author of bestsellers, The Judas Syndrome and Character Disservice, The Phenomenon of Our Age, he is also the principal of author of How Did We End Up Here? and Essentials for the Journey, Embracing and Living the Ten Commandments of Character, Proven Principles for a Psychologically Healthy and Rich Spiritual Life. And his groundbreaking book in Sheep's Clothing, Understanding and Dealing with Manipulative People, was the first to describe covert manipulative personalities and introduce the concept currently known as gaslighting. It has been published in over 25 languages and countries, and he's also the principal composer of the patriotic anthem, America, My Home. Welcome, Dr. Simon. Thank you, Rich. Glad to be with you today. So some people on the, on the left view patriotism negatively, but I believe that we must be positive about our country and who we are as people, and that patriotism helps us to focus our ideals and to bring people together around shared values. So I'm wondering what motivated you to compose the patriotic anthem that we just heard, America, My Home. Yes, uh, you know, that tune literally haunted me for a few years before I ever put it down. And frankly, because I'm not technically trained, musically. Uh, I never thought I'd do such a thing, but it would not leave me alone. And later on, we would learn the person, the uh, purpose of it. But what the inspiration was, was my growing realization about the interdependence between freedom and character. And whatever else you want to say about this land of ours, we have had the blessings, we have enjoyed the blessings of perhaps more freedom than many folks uh, enjoy in the world today. But there's an interrelationship between freedom and character. The premise is very simple. If you give people who already have a solid internal moral compass, basically decent people, if you allow them to just live their lives without too much micromanagement and government oppression, or any other kind of oppression. Such people will not only prosper themselves, but they'll help others prosper as well. And that's how you build a truly prosperous country. But whenever there are too many folks among us of poor character or disturbed or disordered character, there's always the tendency to micromanage people who won't manage themselves very well through oppressive rules, laws, and restrictions. And um, that impinges on everybody's freedom. So you just, John Adams had that right. You just can't have one without the other. The survival of our freedom depends upon character. And sadly, we've forgotten that. We've forgotten how crucial character is to everything that we hold dear. We no longer expect it. Uh, we become horribly used to the worst displays of it. It takes more and more to outrage us. And we have forgotten the most essential standards and institutions and things that were once part of our country that helped 
forge good character. Instead, as those things have become corrupted, we have an increase of what my books call character disturbance. And it truly is the phenomenon of our age. And politics is no stranger, sadly. Tell us about yourself. How did you come to this work? What led you to focus on character disturbance? And that's what everybody wants to know. Um, And it really was twofold. I'm a therapist by training. I'm a psychologist, clinical psychologist. And uh, I saw two different groups of people in my practice. The first group of folks were aggrieved parties who had been in troubled relationships with people of character disturbance of some kind. We didn't even use that label back then. But these were basically decent folks in, in the classical jargon Uh, These overly conscientious folks riddled with anxieties and fears and unresolved inner conflicts. We unfortunately over the years used the the label neurotic to describe these folks. And dealing with them and helping them understand the sources of their pain and overcome some of their hardships and realizing what they were dealing with in their uh, in their relationships and empowering them, that work is what most of us were trained to do in the helping professions. Um, And so I was seeing those folks, to be sure, um, and they were describing to me this syndrome that we now call gaslighting, this kind of making you feel crazy uh, feeling that so many folks in relationships with folks who knew how to look good, without being good. See, there's a skill set to to charm, even to charisma, to interpersonal relating skills. There's a skill set there. But just having that skill set doesn't make somebody a good person. It, It can make them an attractive person in a whole lot of ways. And many times people in troubled relationships were attracted to that very skill set. Um, and uh, not the least of which is the fact that um, people of troubled character can actually recognize something of great value in you. They can see you as a person of great worth and value. And to steal your heart, so to speak, is a real trophy for them. But hmm. that does not mean that they have the capacity to truly love you. As a matter of fact, it doesn't necessarily mean that they have the capacity to truly love at all. But folks don't learn that until late in the relationship, after their heart has been broken any number of times, and after they've you know, paid many prices and suffered a lot. So I was seeing folks describe that syndrome. And then I was also seeing these folks who were so arrested in their character development. It wasn't that they were hurt people, hurting people. It wasn't that they were scared people or troubled people. They were entitled people, spoiled people, causing all kinds of problems and wreaking all kinds of havoc in their relationships without compunction, without really any concern for the impact of their actions or who might be getting hurt in the process. 
And what I realized very quickly is that all of what most of us have been taught about helping people change, all those rules did not apply for these folks. So many folks think that there's absolutely no help for such folks. Actually, in some cases, there is quite a bit of help um, available, but it's not the traditional kind of help. That's what I've done workshops for years uh, on and why I've written several of my books. So I was seeing those two groups of people and it really clued me into the phenomenon of our age. We're not living in the times that Sigmund Freud and some of the other great analysts and, and uh, psychological theorists lived in where people were just so riddled with fears and insecurities that they were making themselves sick. We live in an age where we have people making everybody else sick with heartache <laughs> and worry and concern and disgust because of their infantile behavior. They haven't grown up morally and in character. One of the things that I, from reading your book, which I've been been reading, Character Disturbance, it, we tend to think, also on the left, we tend to think that everybody, if, if it's the system, it's the system. If we just corrected the system, everybody would be happy. All our problems would be solved. That people are essentially the same. That they all want love. They all want care and all of that. But that's not the case, is and it? There, and there is an interrelationship between culture and character. They're inextricably uh, connected. As more and more character-arrested people populate the society, the, the normal social institutions, even institutions primarily designed to foster character, they become corrupted. They start to break down. And as they break down, more and more character-impaired people populate the society. It's a classic vicious cycle. And it's been going on for decades now. And it's finally getting our attention because of how serious the problem has become. I'll just give you one character fostering institution. You know, when I was in high school, I played some sports. Sports were, was a, was a, a uh, it was an opportunity and a, a mechanism by which we brutes that are men could learn how to uh, channel our energies, how to regulate ourselves, how to care about more than our own sweet self, how, how to build something together. Uh, it was a way to develop character. And uh, the rewards didn't have to do with multi-millions of dollars. The rewards had to do with the leadership that we acquired for ourselves, the good that we brought to other people. Um, those were the rewards. And even in professional sports, that was true for decades. Then something happened slowly, insidiously, incrementally over time. So we barely noticed it until we're in the place where we are now. 
where people get hundreds of millions of dollars in advance just for showing up. And by the way, just because they have proven to have the talent and not necessarily because they have proven themselves to be a decent person. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not surprised that all of our institutions, especially our politics, has become even more corrupted than ever. It's not a surprise. And it's not a surprise that it is having a multiplicative effect. We have to reclaim the importance of character. I, I, I just can't say it enough. And we have to remember what it takes to forge it. Human beings take longer to socialize than any other creatures on the planet. Hour by hour, day by day, 24 hours a day for years to develop even a modicum of human decency. It takes all that. We've forgotten that. We have too much and we've taken too much for granted. And it's unsustainable. Wow. Wow. So what are what is character disturbance? Are there different types or different degrees? What are the parameters? Yeah. Well, you know, n- narcissism is the topic du jour today. And it wasn't that long ago, actually. It was just a few years ago, seven or eight years ago, that the official crafters of uh, the official diagnostic uh, manual that psychologists and psychiatrists and other mental health professionals use, um, they were thinking of actually getting rid of the t- the classification uh, because it was so hard to define and because um, they weren't even sure that the condition existed. And there was just a public outcry like crazy because anybody that's uh, uh, any, anybody that's dealt with a narcissistic individual knows, especially a certain kind of narcissist. But character disturbance is just this. Character is that aspect of our personalities that reflects how well grounded we are in moral principles, not just moral principles, but principles of integrity, time-tested principles that help us truly love in this world, wish well for one another, wish well for ourselves. And this is what makes the world prosper. It all depends on that capacity. So character is that aspect of our personality that reflects how well we develop the capacity to really not just care about each other, but do well by one another. And everybody wins. That's the greatest win-win. We win when we're better people and everybody else wins too. Uh, And character disturbance is an arrest of that process. And in our day and time, it's understandable why so many people are arrested in their character development because we've forgotten what it takes. We've forgotten how much energy we turn our kids over to be raised by TikTok, <laughs> for crying out loud. We've, we've just forgotten what kind of energy and attention it takes to help forge some decency in us the lessons that we have to learn, the things that we have to embrace and take to heart. That's why I wrote my latest book, Essentials for the Journey. My life is in that work. Yeah, sometimes I think we just assume it's going to come naturally. 
I feel that it, had I known about narcissism, I'm seeing now that I'm learning about, I'm seeing it everywhere. And I feel like I would have recognized some of the abuse I suffered, but at the same time, am I being too judgmental of people? Yeah. Um, I feel like I've become a narcissist magnet in some well, way. Well, because there's so much narcissism, you can't help but see it these days. But as I say in my books, character disturbance varies as the type and degree. It is a spectrum phenomenon, much like we now know about the uh, developmental disorders like uh, autism. It, there's a very wide spectrum of both type and degree. Some narcissists, frankly, are, are very benign. Some folks are, are, are probably not going to severely hurt you in a relationship. Um, but that doesn't mean that they aren't self-serving. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that they really care for you as much as it seems that they do. But some narcissists are relatively benign. Some, the more malignantly narcissistic individual, not only doesn't care about you, but sometimes cannot care about you. They can't care about anything except their own sweet agenda. And when when some when we hand, I'm going to get myself in trouble here. <laughs> but when we hand somebody like that the reins of power, we deserve exactly what we get. Yeah, and I'm earned that. Yeah. So that seems to be an important issue. Um, how do we recognize character disturbance in others? You know, oftentimes narcissists and the like attempt to hide their character flaws or they come off as charming. Um, how do we recognize it when we see it? Are there signs to look for so that we don't put these people into office? Yeah, uh, boy, that it, I mean, that is the question of the day. And you're right. Sometimes that what we call the charm alarm does not go off. You know, we don't we don't think automatically that this charm and this, um, what appears to be interest shown, we don't think that it could be necessarily a self-serving thing. We're bowled over by it. We, and we want to believe so desperately that they really care about us. <laughs> but the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the track record almost all the time. And folks don't generally look carefully enough. That happens in relationships, too. People will buy right off the bat the story about the why the last three marriages failed, <laughs> you know, yeah. without digging just a little deeper. You know, maybe, just maybe, you had a hand in that. Hmm, I guess, maybe. And I wonder what it was about you that sent everything south. So we don't vet carefully enough. And we don't also know what to look for. One thing we really need to do a better job on is this, this whole thing of lying. It is an epidemic. One of the reasons why we failed to consider, consider it is because it's so rampant, it doesn't shock us anymore. I mean, for a minute, we were really outraged with Santos because we seemed to have a new level of, of, of lying, just bold-faced, horrendous lying, just making stuff up. 
and and having no compunction in interviews saying, well, you know, I got away with it, so I might as well do it again. We're not even outraged by that or shocked by it. Where are the protests in the streets? Where are the recall campaigns? We are so desensitized to character dysfunction. We're used to it in our relationships. We're used to it in our leaders. We're used to it too much. And it has to turn around. Now, how will it turn around? It will turn around one heart at a time starting with our own. We can be one less problem. We can be the one person who doesn't support or endorse bad character, either in ourselves or in the folks that we choose to represent us. You know, Lincoln said it better than me. He he challenged that old notion by... Uh, Lord Darfur Acton, who said that power tends to corrupt and absolute power uh, corrupts absolutely. Mm -hmm. He, in keeping his enemies close at hand, said, if you want to test a man's character, give him some power Mm -hmm. and then observe what he does with it. That will tell you all you need to know about the character of the person. Donald Trump, the Republican leader, is calling for violence. He is about to be indicted. He wants violence in its wake. What will you do? Will you call for him to be tried under the rule of law that makes the United States what it is? Or will you go with MAGA? The world waits for your answers. Let us know.